KXNO Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa State football will be without their starting punter as Corey Dunn is out for the season with an Achilles injury. Dunn averaged 40.1 yards per kick in 53 punts a year ago, including 23 inside the 20. Returning junior Joe Rivera will fight for the punting job, along with San Jose State transfer Brian Papazian. A big game yesterday in the NBA Summer League for former Hawkeye Jared Utah. Playing for the Detroit Pistons, Utah had 17 points on 6-9 shooting, including two of three from downtown for 17 points along with three rebounds and two assists, four steals, and three block shots. Last night in Cleveland, it was the MLB All-Star Game. Michael Brantley opened the scoring with a double to left center. Somebody go get that. That's in the gap. Acuna going to get it. He'll get it back in. Here comes Bregman. Throw home by Almago is too late. And the AL jumps on top. The call from Joe Buck on Fox. Indian Shane Bieber got the hometown crowd going again in the fifth. Tailing strike three. 3-2 pitch. Out in front of it, struck him out. He struck him out. Three strikeouts for Bieber as he strikes out the side and takes home MVP honors. A 4-3 win for the American League. Baseball returns on Thursday with a single game, Rangers and Astros, and a full slate on Friday. High school baseball scoreboard from last night, it was Ankeny a 2-1 winner over Gilbert. Dallas Center Grimes beats Harlan 7-5. Des Moines East sweeps Hoover. Martinsdale St. Mary's upends Des Moines Christian 3-1. Norwalk with the doubleheader sweep of Newton. And Woodward Granger upends Roland Story 10-0. High school baseball tonight on 1460 KXNO 531st pitch as Des Moines East hosts 4th-ranked Ankeny Centennial. Ross Peterson will join me for the call of that one tonight. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. When did we park Cappy? 15, 20? Yeah, right that range. Okay, David Kaplan coming up. We spoke with Cappy at 835 this morning. We got his thoughts on the uh, uh, Cubs heading into the second half of the season. What the White Sox, what would they consider a uh, successful second half of the season? Amongst the topics that will come up with Cappy. One that didn't, and I meant to. Um, did you see this from yesterday? Uh I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I thought it was ridiculous. The NBA coaches now have a challenge. What? Yes. Like, the game needs more stoppage, right? They finally have at least improved at the late-game situations in the NBA. Without a doubt. Not as many timeouts. Nope. A lot more free-flowing. And it was necessary, as you know. When they go to review, it is a quick stoppage Mm -hmm. for the most part. They get right back to the action. Mm -hmm. College basketball could take something from the NBA. Yeah, very true. Figure it out. 
Can't see it right away. Stay it's not all of a sudden going to appear. If you no. look at it two or three times and it's not there, it's not like on the fourth. Oh, wait a second. That wasn't there before. Exactly. Get your to, angles, you know, get your looks, and move used on. to piss me off the most with those was when there would be a foul in horse racing and there'd be the inquiry and it's the last huh? race of the night and oh, it's 1035 and I'm, good God. And you're waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting to get home. I got fridge full of beer, et cetera. And, uh, there'll be an inquiry and it's like, what are you waiting for? If you didn't see it the first five times, not all of a sudden going to appear. Anyways, I don't understand it. I don't know if it was necessary. Um, maybe goaltending, missed goaltending opportunities. We've sure. certainly seen a couple of those. But uh, And I guess the G League, and I don't watch any G League basketball, maybe you could help me out, has this in, has had this in place for the last couple of years. I don't ah, know. Interesting. I, I, it never came up. And that's usually the way that these rules mm-hmm. come to be, right? Yep. There are a lot of hockey rules starting the AHL. That's the, you know, Mc, Des Moines gets the McRib. Before it goes national. Being a test market. Yeah, being a test market. AHL and the G League are test leagues for some of these new rules before they get incorporated at the, in the big leagues. I, I, I just thought, eh, really? A Didn't challenge, though. It's one. It's fine. Give them a little more time, I, I guess. It's not, I guess you don't have to use it every game. Oh, right? right. It's. I don't think it'll bother me. And it won't bother you or I because we don't uh, watch NBA during the regular season well, or very infrequently. We, we will complain about it in April. Yes. Probably the first time that we see it. Yeah, uh, I guess. Indeed. Uh, back to Bill Bender for a second. We talked be- briefly about this. Did you see his list of trap games? I did not. You brought that up and it, uh, yeah, pricked my ears up. I'm going to have to uh, make a read. There, there's today. some, there's some good games in there. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're a college football fan, you want to go through that list and find the potential traps that Bill has laid out there for teams. But what jumped off the page to me is instead of Iowa State get ready to trap a team, mm-hmm. they're now the teams that watch out. Iowa State, this could be a trap spot for you. You don't want to be looking ahead to this game against uh, Oklahoma in Texas in the month of November. Um, but it's just it's just so different under Campbell. You mentioned in your update, Corey Dunn. We talked to uh, yeah, Dylan. Uh, to Dylan early, earlier this week. You asked him about that. Um, and we recalled the, the game last year, the Seahawks game against Kinnick that wasn't his uh, shining moment, if you will, so far in his career. Um, how, how big of a blow? We don't know what's behind him by no. any means. I mean, Rivera punted twice against Drake in that. Did he? Swamp. Okay, I don't remember that. Are you going to be able to read anything into the muddiest field in college football history? No, no. No, don't don't read anything to that. They welcome in a transfer from San Jose State Mm -hmm. that averaged 38 yards a punt. So this probably, you know what, as you connect the dots, obviously done. Do do we know when he hurt? I think it was when he tore his Achilles. Yeah. So did the the transfer come on, I hate to say it, on the heels? Um, of the Achilles? I believe it was beforehand. Really? Yes. Wow. Now, he's a walk-on, so this isn't a scholarship kid or anything but like that. But still, he's, he's, at least he's kicked in college football before. Right, exactly. Has that experience. And So you're telling me that Corey Dunn had not uh, suffered the injury before this kid decided to walk on at Iowa? Well, that's time. That's fortunate timing. Uh, according to the report from Chris Williams. Who broke the story. Absolutely yes. glad you mentioned that. CycloneFanatic.com, good on them. Well, and now reading a little bit deeper. So this apparently happened, uh, the Cyclone Fanatic on the site says... A freak accident warming up a few weeks ago. Oh, so it did happen. A few weeks ago. So they ago. knew. And then the announcement from the San Jose State transfer punter came on July 3rd mm-hmm. when he tweeted out that he was mm-hmm. going to be transferring to Iowa that State. Would make, that makes, now that makes sense. 
So they were sitting on the the news of Dunn. They got a punter in here. I wonder how many. Uh, I mean, how deep is that pool of of available punters? Right. Well, a couple years ago, Iowa found Rock and Ron Kaluzzi. But when did they find him? This it, late in the game? It was, was it? It was summertime. Kaluzzi was terrific. He was excellent. Yes, he was. He's been the best punter they've had for a, in half a long decade. time. That's a good point. So, well, maybe lightning can strike twice yeah. in our state. So we're going to be talking about two transfer punters this year for Iowa and Iowa State. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, the Arizona State Sleep kid. Dalton coming in, and yeah. and now perhaps Brian Papazian. Papazian. Don't know. Take your word for it. Uh, take our word for it. Cappy joins us next. Miller and Condon. We will talk Chicago sports with the Cap Baddies. Brought to us by our friends at Centurion Stone of Iowa. Centurion Stone of Iowa.com. Check them out online. Check out the showroom. Uh, you'll be glad that you did. If a project of that type is in your future, they get, uh, they're all over our house. They're on the exterior, both of the fireplaces, uh, in our condos at Otter Creek, uh, all of them adorned with Centurion Stone. Cappy next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back as we continue on here. Vinny I are still to come from the Sporting News, but right now Centurion Stone makes it possible for us to head over to Chicago and catch up with David Kaplan, uh, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago. Cap, Trent, and Ken, welcome back. How's things, Cappy? Everything is good. Enjoyed the All-Star game and... Uh... Ready for baseball in the second half. In, indeed, yeah. The All Star Game was uh, it was entertaining. I'm unlike you. I, I I found it very compelling. Well, let's start uh, with that second half, and let's start with the team that moves the needle in Chicago, and certainly here in Central Iowa, uh, and that's the Cubs. Cap, give me um, you know, give me a big name that may not be on this roster as of August the first. Uh, Kyle Schwarber. Think that's that likely? Would not shock me at all. I. Look, I, this team, I keep hearing everyone go, well, Joe Mann's got the greatest record in the second half over, you know, the last whatever number of years it is. Certainly since he's been in Chicago, I think he's 30 wins, 25 wins better than any other manager, any other team since Joe arrived in 2015. I'm a Joe Madden fan. Let me make that clear. But why does everyone automatically assume that because the unofficial second half has started and because the Cubs got four days off like everybody else Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden all the problems that they've had are going to be fixed I don't see it that way I think there are serious issues with this team and to bury your head in the sand I don't mean you I mean everybody to bury their heads in the sand and go it's the second half it's Joe we're going to be fine I don't see that I think there's great talent here I think there's obvious holes here, and I think unless those get addressed, this team's not going to get where everyone thought they could. Cap, a couple of numbers for you. I want to get your opinion. Which one concerns you more going into the second half? The Cubs leading all of baseball and outs made on the base paths were their 13th ranked offense in the NL with runners in scoring position. What to you is the more concerning of those two stats? Uh, the second one, although the first one obviously would be a concern as well, but probably the offense as a whole, because if they don't get more out of their offense, you're whizzing in the wind. Mm. You got no shot. Uh, you're not going to have Cole Hamels here for at least two to three more weeks. 
Uh, Kyle Hendricks still has to get back to the guy he was when he had that incredible run of 6-0 and and an ERA in the ones and then got injured. John Lester, look, he's 35 years old. He has done some really good things. He beat the White Sox and Lucas Giolito on Saturday night at guaranteed rate, pitched really, really well. He's had games where he hasn't pitched well. That comes with a 35-year-old. If you Darvish wants to win a game at Wrigley, that'd be a novel concept because he's never won in the two seasons he's been in a Cubs uniform at Wrigley Field. And I know he missed a good chunk of last year with injury, but he's had plenty of opportunities. He's been gifted leads and can't find a way to get a victory. And I, all the analytical people listening are going to go, pitcher wins me nothing. Yeah, that's what everyone says when a guy can't find a way to win a baseball game. Jose Quintana, okay. Mm-hmm. He's not bad. He's not elite. He's okay. So you have got to find a way to address the questions in the rotation, some questions in the bullpen. I know Kimbrell needs more time to get ready, but it's time to go now here. Yeah. We're in mid-July. It's time to go. And then the offense can't be four and a half guys. And I'm talking about Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Baez, and half of Jason Hayward. Mm. That's it. I'm really disappointed where this team is. What have you seen uh, so far from Craig Kimmel? You're right, the sample size isn't big, Cappy. But, um, you know, he he hasn't wowed you, right? No, he has not wowed you. Uh, Now, his velocity the other day at guaranteed rate when he got the save on Saturday night, 98, looked good. Blew away Zach Collins and then was able to strike out Jose Abreu on a ball out of the zone. And Fortunately, Abreu didn't know where it was and didn't run right at the start, so they got him on the drop third strike. So the eye-popping velocity looks like it's coming back and it's there. But he hits a guy, he walks Moncada, and all of a sudden Jose Abreu, right. who is second in the American League in RBI, is coming to the plate as the tying run. Mm-hmm. So let's not pretend here that it was a clean, dominant inning, because it wasn't. He's had four appearances. He's been okay. Let's go. Now it's time to pitch. You've had plenty of time to get ready. Uh, we can't, how long are we going to say, well, it's still like his spring training. Will that be August 1st? <laughs> Will that be August 15th? At some point, i got to see better out of all of these guys. For example, Sunday, you're down, and Rizzo lines one to the wall in right center, Lead-off double. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. And Contreras reaches for a pitch that's out of the zone, rolls over to third base, Rizzo's stuck at second, they don't get the run home. I mean, that can't happen. This is one of your elite hitters. You have got to get him to third. That's what winning baseball is. Uh, I took a lot of heat from some people because I called for Javi to be benched for one game, not a month, not to be released, one game because he didn't run a ball out in a one-run game at Pittsburgh last Wednesday. I'm still mad about it. Now, maybe that's the old coach in me coming out. And everyone's like, but it's Javi. And Joe immediately excuses the behavior by going, I'm not going to go there. I'm not criticizing Javi or Bayer. I'm not asking you. I'm asking you to hold people accountable. It was Chris Bryant two weeks ago. I can't go there. That's KB. Play yep. hard. Okay. After the game, what did he do? Admitted. He did. He couldn't have done that. It'll never happen again. Should have been on second base is what he said. Exactly. And then what had happened when Rizzo did it? And then Hayward, after the team meeting to clean up base running, gets picked off of first. And then in a one-run game, as I said on the postgame, you need to win like a starving man needs a sandwich. (laughs) And guess what? 
you admire a ball because you think it's going out of the park. I hope to God you're right it does. It doesn't, and he's only at first. They don't get the run in, so now they don't have an insurance run. You get a dumb play by Russell at second, who after the game I don't regret throwing home. You couldn't have got him at home with a bazooka. And then Contreras, who had to play right, Hayward and Bryant were unavailable due to injury, had to be out there on a 40% catch probability according to stat catch. He missed the ball. Okay, that's going to happen. Well, then Russell makes his boneheaded play, and then the sack fly to left is the game-winning RBI. So Kimbrough gets a blown save even though he didn't get lit up. He didn't get crushed. All these little things. If there's no level of accountability for one, keep happening. Oh, Javi, we love you. I love Javi. He's my favorite player to watch. But who do you make an example out of? Your best player, because everyone else is going to go, holy smokes. You see what he just did? Javi's out of the lineup for a day, and he threw him under the bus to the media. I don't want that to be me. But heaven forbid we can't do that. Nine-game homestand coming out of the break. We saw out of the beginning of the season – them limp out to a two and seven start. If they go two and seven in this stretch, could Joe Madden be fired? Will he be fired if they go two and seven? I would say yes. Hmm. If they go hmm. two and seven, nine game homestand, I'm going to tell you that I think Joe Madden. Hmm. Yeah. Now, at the end of that, if you told me the Brewers over those nine games yeah. end up going three and six, yeah, and yeah. One, right. And all of a sudden, you looked up and you went, oh, I oh see. God, we're yeah. seven games back? Yeah. yeah. And you may not. You may just go, we're playing it out. We're trading guys away. And we're going to start building for the future. We're not that good. <laughs> uh, David Cap play bad as well. You may end up saying, hey, guess what? We're still in this thing. I'm making a managerial change. Mm-hmm. David Kaplan is our guest brought to us by Centurion Stone. couple of minutes on the White Sox cap. Giolito last night, uh, nerves early, but boy, once he settled down, uh, pulling for the kid. I was, and it was good to see him You know, work his way out of that because clearly uh, the nerves were playing a factor when he, the first batter he faced. Yeah, I think, look, he looked around and went, oh, my God. I went from one of the worst teams yeah. in baseball to one of the best. And I think it's amazing. I think it's awesomely cool. And he was nervous. But then he settled down. He got through that fourth inning unscathed. And I think the White Sox fans have to be really, really excited with what they've seen. Um, Guys are playing hard. Guys are competing. So, yeah, I I think White Sox fans should be looking at this team and go, "Eh, it may not be this year, but... Certainly 2020-2021, that White Sox team's on the move. So what are they looking for, Cap, in the second half? They're two games below five hundred. What would, in, in your mind and White Sox fans, what would, a, what would a, a, a good season look like when it's all said and done? They'll be pleased with what? Is it five hundred? Well, if they get to five hundred, I think they'd be ecstatic. I don't think they will because I don't think they have enough starting pitching. I think they'll come in like 76, 77 wins, mm-hmm. something like that, 78. And they're not going to go out and trade big-time prospects to go get a rental-type pitcher. Now, if a guy becomes available that has years left on his deal, then maybe Rick moves assets to go get that guy because it's easier to take a contract you already know about than to go into the perils of free agency thinking you're going to get a guy and it ends up he takes less money somewhere else or your offer isn't high enough. You know, that's all risky. So I could see that happening, but I think if they end the year and they're all healthy 
and Giolito is the guy that we saw in the first half, and Moncada is the guy that we saw in the first half, and James McCann is the guy we saw in the first half, and Tim Anderson comes back healthy and continues to play well, I think they look and go, hey, man, we had a really good year, and we're trending up, and now let's go get some starting pitching. couple weeks away from training camp in Bourbon A for the Bears. Kicker, I know, will be a big talking point. What else are you looking for? What are you going to be watching with this Bears team as they get ready for training camp? Uh, I'm going to be, obviously, Mitch is the focal point of everything. Mm -hmm. they got to stay healthy. they got to be ready to roll. And then I want to see how David Montgomery assimilates into Mm -hmm. this passing game because I think they're really excited. They're not glad Jordan Howard's out. They're glad David Montgomery is in. Jordan's a good guy. It just wasn't a fit for Matt's offense. And so they got this kid who's, you know, in his infancy of his NFL career, but they're really excited to have him. And so I think you look and go, hmm, they've got him. They got Mike Davis. They got Tariq Cohen. Their offensive line's back intact. Their quarterback feels like he's going to take another step. Allen Robinson's another year removed from his ACL, and he should be ready to go. So hopefully. Uh, this thing's ready to take another step. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Cap, apparently he's being shopped. Is there any interest on the Bulls? I know you don't like it. It's, it's a lot of money for a veteran player. doesn't make sense in a lot of ways, but what are you hearing? I do not think they have one iota of interest. Uh, Going to be 31 when the season starts. He turns 31 in November, and you're talking $170 million if he picks up his option in the fourth year of the deal. Four years, $170 million of $50 million option at age almost 35, no shot. They like this young core. They think they can get their superstar in-house. But certainly, if you look at this year, Markkinen's 22. Wendell Carter Jr. is 19. Kobe White is 19. Zach Levine is 24. Otto Porter is 26. 27-year-old Thomas Sadoransky. The only veteran you got you really have is 31-year-old Thaddeus Young. And I think you need a veteran like that who's a consummate pro and a great team guy. If we can just look at this year and the following year, you'll now have guys 21, 21, 24, 26, 29, and Otto Porter's money off the books. Zach Levine in the final year of his deal. You could make any move you want if Giannis, or whoever the next disgruntled NBA superstar is, and said, okay, game on. I got assets. There you go. I want them. Or a free agent. We are one piece away from being able to win the NBA title. I think they're on the right path, and I implore them to not make this move for Russ, and I don't think they have any interest. Hmm. Cap, last thing, back to baseball. just ran across this, uh, but I want to get your take because Bob Nightingale's a, a longtime baseball guy. He's been around the game, and I think he's a pretty well-respected writer. Uh, he just puts this out there. Can't help but wonder, you know, with all the home runs that are flying out of ballparks on pace to hit 1,100 more than last year, is doping made its way back into MLB? What do you hear, Cap? Any whispers? Uh, I believe that there's doping in all professional sports. Mm-hmm. I, I do not think that guys just went, okay, we're done. Right. I think as the drugs got more advanced and the treatment of how to use them and not get detected gets more advanced, I absolutely believe there are guys that are out there doping. Not to get big and strong and muscled up to look good at the beach. I think it's for recovery so they can train harder, they can play more effectively, and so a pitcher in August doesn't feel 
as wiped out as you might without using that stuff. So David Segui says 60% of guys, in his opinion, are doing PEDs. I don't know if I'd go as high as 60, but I certainly think it's a way bigger percentage than anyone realized. Yeah, I'm just reading this right now. I would say 60% of the guys today, David Segui told USA Today. Cappy, great stuff. Appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Capper. You got it. I'm fired up. Yes, you are. <laughs> Indeed, you are. David Kaplan, see you, pal. Uh, brought to us by Centurion Stone. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Good stuff from Cappy, as always. CenturionStoneofIowa.com. Iowa's best selection of stone veneer in one place. Centurion Stone. Whether you're looking for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa offers a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your each and every need. You can visit them online. They've got a great website. You can go right in the middle. Tell them about their project. They will uh, look after you and get back to you or and i think that you'll want to do this folks i really do we did trent and i did it was uh we we had no idea uh the showroom take time visit it 5525 northeast 22nd street in des moines 5525 northeast 22nd street in des moines centurion stone of iowa makes it possible uh for cappy what do you think trent david segui's quoted in the piece bob knight yeah long time writer yes yeah <laughs> i mean he's covered the sports since god probably the 60s um, David Segui quoted as saying, I would say 60% of the guys today are doing stuff. And he's a, he's a former guy that did stuff, and he admitted so in his 15-year playing career. That is a big number, but would you see, be surprised? I mean, look at how these balls are flying out of ballparks. I still think it's the baseball. You don't I, think I, it could be both? I know Verlander, he got called into the principal's office uh, before his start in the All-Star game last mm-hmm. night. But I 60%? That's high. I think that's high. Yeah. If that number is 20%, okay. We're not talking steroids. We're not talking about the steroids that I think a lot of people think of, of, of the you know West German bodybuilders or, yeah. or some of those types <laughs> right. of things. Right. But as it pertains to HGH, you know, human growth hormone and, and the testing for that and all the questions that are there, you know, maybe. You know, a sport that I think even more than baseball is huge is basketball and the NBA. You know, the grind that those guys go through, 82 games. And have we ever seen a significant suspension for PEDs in basketball? Not that I can recall. I mean, just Hockey think of that. too. And I don't yeah. want them to test in football because I know they are. Well, and, I'm convinced they are. And guys get suspended and we don't care. Mm-hmm. Julian Edelman. Yeah. I mean, just... Well, right back out there on the field. Right, gets to play for his uh, for for a Super Bowl. Yes. Baseball, you're yeah. you're ineligible. Um, but that's not the case in football. All right, good stuff. Speaking of football, and speaking of the NFL, Vinny Iyer. We talked about it yesterday. We've talked about it on the show today. Wrote a great piece, SportingNews.com. Percentage wise, of the 32 teams, some of the upper echelon players on those teams. What are the percentages? of uh, some of these guys hearing their name in, in Hall of Fame conversation. Who's lock, who isn't? Uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News joins us next. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Oh. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Time to talk to our favorite Northwestern grad, He's Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Covers the NFL. You can read VinnySportingNews.com. He's got a great piece ranking each NFL team's potential Hall of Famers on the current roster. Trent and I had some fun going over that yesterday. The author of it joins us right now. Vinny, Trent, and Ken. Thanks for coming on, Vinny Iyer. How are you? 
Good. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. You know, before we get into that, Vinny, just uh, your take quickly on uh, you know the Tyreek Hill news that broke yesterday. Apparently, the uh, the television station that released the audio on the day of the draft only released a portion of the audio. The portion they didn't release, sir, makes it seem like Tyreek Hill's got a path uh, not only to uh, to stay with Kansas City, but maybe to avoid suspension. Your take on uh, on now the entire audio being released, Vinny? Yeah, I think the NFL just needs to be careful that they've looked at all angles on this one. There's tendency to uh, create a punishment that matches more the outrage than the crime itself. And uh, sometimes it's a bad publicity countermeasure there for the NFL. We know that. It's uh, what the feedback is going to be. And with Terry Kill, it's also a different situation because he has that history before he was drafted in college and why he flipped that far and why he had to transfer schools and all that. So, there's that with him uh, in the past. So when you have that in your past, I think you're going to be potentially rushing to judge here, but you have to look at all the evidence mm-hmm. and go from there. So with the Chiefs uh, and uh, in their past with the John Dorsey, we know John Dorsey gave Kareem Hunt a big second chance there in Cleveland that I think this team's going to lean toward trying to keep them as much as possible. Andy Reid, I think, also believes in second chances for guys. So... I think the NFL is going to have to do this one carefully and uh, really just make sure that uh, they're not <laughs> pre-punishing a guy if there's nothing there and if they can prove otherwise. Well, certainly that's going to be a big talking point here over the next couple of weeks, Vinny. Our talking point for today, though, an article that you put up at the Sporting News. As Ken mentioned earlier, we had a lot of fun going through some of the different names out there. How did this idea, though, come to fruition? Peel back the curtain a little bit, is it? Just an idea that popped into your head? Is it something you've done in the past, going through the rosters and trying to figure out percentage-wise chances of getting into the Hall of Fame? Well, I think this is the first time we've really explored it this deep. I mean, we looked at guys that are more obvious, you know, looking at one guy that's going to be the lock from each team, but you have to go beyond that. And mm-hmm. now It's fun to look at it. Uh, who are the quarterbacks that you think are going to be in? You have to start with Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Go from there, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, certainly. So that's a pretty good baseline to start with. And then look at some of those venerable guys in other positions that you know are going to be in, like Larry Fitzgerald. And then some guys that uh, maybe pop on the radar that we're not sure about, especially the young quarterbacks who are off to hot start. Well, he's not a young quarterback anymore, and he's got a couple of Super Bowl rings. And this was the one that uh, uh, that Trent and I both zeroed in on, and I'm sure you know where we're going. It's Eli Manning with the New York Giants. And, and I agree with you, Vinny. Um, you can't take the Super Bowl rings away from his career. He's got them. But um, I, I don't know if that necessarily means he's going to get his ticket punched to Canton. You have him at... Uh, well, way down there, right? It's uh, eighty or forty percent, rather, on Eli Manning. Both guys who were drafted in the same draft, Roethlisberger and Rivers, both a hundred percent. Eli Manning. I does, do the Super Bowl rings make it difficult to keep him out? Well, in one sense they do, but if you look over at the numbers and the, the consistency are not there when you look deep into his career. I think the two things that also help him beyond the Super Bowl rings. Everyone in New York likes them. It's hard to have New York athlete who's played there for that long, his entire career, where everyone loves him on and off the field. He's a stand-up guy. He's got the family lineage. He's got uh, the Iron Man status. I mean, the only game he missed recently was a coach's decision mm-hmm. that was ill-fated. So when you look at that, I mean, he showed up to work every day, came up, uh, endured some tough times, but also a couple where he was able to get hot 
on a couple of playoff runs and win Super Bowls. So, yeah, I think that's why it's a tough one. I think that's why he's 40. Like, if none of this had happened where there's no Super Bowl rings at all, you're probably looking at a 0% guy. Yep. But the fact that he has two puts him in the conversation at least because in the end you're going to have to like a lot of people and impress a lot of people that are nominating you and trying to get you in. So when you look at that also and then you compare – different guys, Roethlisberger and Rivers you mentioned, and then the other guys, uh, Brady, Rogers, Breeze, do you say that Eli belongs in the same class of those guys? You would say no. So that's what you have to peel back and look at. And then there's another case like Matt Ryan where you start to look at his numbers and look at his consistency and over the years and that he's won an MVP award and his numbers continue to get better. And you might say, okay, Matt Ryan doesn't have the rings, but looking at his body of work, Joe Flacco has a ring. Eli Manning has two. You'd say Matt Ryan has a better chance. No doubt. Yeah, very interesting. Hey, want to get your uh, perspective on a local guy played his career with the Baltimore Ravens, and that's Marshall Yonda. Has been considered for a long time, if not the best guard in the league, one of them. Now it's an interior offensive lineman as opposed to a tackle. A little bit more of the glamour position along that offensive line there. You put the percentage chance at 75%. This late in his career, is there anything more he can do? It's not like you really put up numbers, pancake blocks and things like that aren't something that's really in the lexicon. What more could Yanda do to bump that up and put from the 75% to make himself a lock Hall of Famer? Yeah, it's always tough with guards because there's quite a bit of competition. Like you said, the tackles get a little bit more attention. Like Joe Thomas, we know he's going to 100% be in playing in that same division. So Jonathan Ogden did a lot of great things for the Ravens over course, his career, he was a shoe-in at one point. So, Yana's yeah, been solid all around. Will he get enough attention there? Does anyone look at him as the best guard in the game at any point in his career? I think those are going to be some of the factors. Again, the position, the team may hurt a little bit. You might have to wait a little bit because you have uh, guys coming up like Terrell Suggs that you're going to have to consider for the Ravens and things like that. But overall, I think 75% is still pretty healthy. 100% is basically anybody that we're thinking about that could just fall off the face of the earth mm-hmm. and still get in the Hall of Fame. And uh, we end up maybe one or two more solid seasons, and that probably does it. You know, one of those guys that could fall off the face of the earth and I thought was a lock, Vinny, and you have him at 40% right now, and he's a quarterback, and he's the Colts quarterback, and that's Andrew Luck, who certainly when he came out of college and early in his career, I mean, the, the, the Colts made the decision to, you know, jettison Peyton Manning. That's how much faith they had in Andrew Luck, and I thought that they made the right decision, and I still do. And maybe because I'm a Bronco fan and it paid off in spades for uh, us Bronco fans out there. But Andrew Luck, injuries have clearly played a part, but he's not done. He's got Hall of Fame skills to me, Vinny. Is there a chance for me that, you know, he finds enough late in his career to maybe not get him to 100%, but gets him closer to Canton than you have him at right now? Yeah, I mean, the 40% is really just because he's missed a lot of time and we want to see him make up for it here. And last year, if he has a lot of seasons like last year, even a few years ago, when he was able to go over 30 touchdown passes there, push 40, and then then you have uh, the big yardage numbers. I think if he stays healthy, that's really been the only concern with Andrew Luck. If he stays healthy, he's going to keep putting up numbers. He's now in a good offense with Frank Reich that has a lot of weapons that are tailored to what he can do. He's now protecting himself better. They've finally given him an elite offensive line. He's not taking as many hits. He's spreading the ball around, being efficient. So I think at one point you would have put him on the Matt Ryan track where, okay, he's done a lot of good things, but we need to see it take it to another level. So I think Andrew Luck, the key for him, and that could be as early as this year, is putting up an MVP award. That would really kind of accelerate him, I would say. That probably gives him 20 
to 25% juice right there if he's able to do that here in 2019. So Andrew Luck, I think the ceiling is there. And say I have more confidence there with him getting in with than Cam Newton there, a class behind him mm. in the the draft. So we'll see. But I, I think Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson, I think Russell Wilson for sure is going to get in. We'll see if the Luck, his draft man, can get in. Talking right now with Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, taking a look at his uh, guesses, best guess that he can, of what guy's percentage chances of getting into the NFL Hall of Fame on current rosters. A team that has a whole slew of guys is the Minnesota Vikings. We, we've talked this summer how much I enjoy this roster still. I still like the talent on this team. Harrison Smith at the top spot for you at 80%. But out of that young group, the guys that still have a lot of work to do, Anthony Barr, Everson Griffin, Joseph, Stephon Diggs, Thielen at the wide receiver position, and all the way down to Hunter, certainly a lot of talent still there. Out of that group, I mean, you you have a percentage chance, but out of the guys 30% or lower, who do you like the the most to make that kind of leap, to make that jump to become a Hall of Famer? Well, I think Daniel Hunter, only because sacks, we weigh them a lot. If you can get to 100, which is kind of, a standard number to start with that can get you in the conversation right there. A hundred career sacks, basically, even if you average a little bit more, it says that you are a 10 year player with 10 sacks a season. So that's what people kind of look at. They need like a tangible number there defensively. I think that's where it hurts. Maybe Joseph and Griffin, do they have enough numbers there? Well, Harrison Smith, you know, stuffed the stat sheet for a while. He's led this defense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I like Hunter's potential. I think when you look at Diggs and Thielen, that's going to be an interesting battle because it's really hard to get to the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver. I mean, the bar is set so high with some of the recent guys that got in, Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. You wonder who's going to be the contemporaries now. You would say Antonio Brown, uh, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, A.J. Green are probably the favorites right now in this particular era. So can one of those guys take off and really put up those type of numbers for eight to ten years? Uh, that's going to be the big question. They're both young. There's time on their side, but – I say Diggs has a little bit better shot because he's a, a younger receiver at this point. Uh, last one for me, Vinny, and I, I know you made a strong case for Julian Edelman last year, um, at, or, or at some point, certainly after a Super Bowl from last year. Boy, he does so many good things. When when you first say the name Julian Edelman, yeah, maybe he's a, he's a really good player, but doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. But he continues to build on this case, and as long as number twelve and him continue to have that chemistry that they've had. Maybe Edelman uh, is one of those careers that comes out of nowhere to find themselves enshrined in Canton. Well, a couple things help Edelman. Of course, just winning a Super Bowl MVP, MVP the recency bias. We always uh, think about that. Latest is the greatest. And then, yeah, <laughs> and you look at him, and I think you have to. I think people talk about what great shape Tom Brady's in, but Julian Edelman just tore up his knee and he came back and looking better than ever there. So he, he is uh, physically fit. He's going to be around for a while. I think he can play seven more years. I mean, I think that's how uh, talented he is. And we don't have many receivers, really. Jerry Rice is the only one that's played into his 40s and played well. So there's that for Julian Edelman ahead of him. He can do that. He's also a unique type of receiver. We know the Patriots, uh, I think he's lumped in with all their slot guys in the past, Wes Welker and Teddy Amendola, but mm-hmm. he's unique. He's a game changer because you can move him around, put him on the outside if you need to. He's impossible to guy to cover. So when you look at the level of play, when he's on the field, he's one of the toughest guys to cover in the NFL. So I think a few more numbers are going to help, maybe a few more postseason accolades, and that's where he's racked up. So 
once you get into that territory where you played a lot of playoff games, a la Jerry Rice, and you're playing in your 40s, a la Jerry Rice, I think he's going to get some more attention, and that's going to continue to build his case. Uh, let, let me go down a, a um, you know worst case scenario road, and Chiefs fans aren't going to appreciate what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But we we see Patrick Mahomes, and he's already just rocketing up these, this charts toward his induction at one point. What if he's one of these guys like a you know a Sayers or a Davis whose career come to an end, a premature end due to injury? How many more years does? I mean, you hate to even have this conversation. It sounds morbid, but you know where I'm going with Mahomes. Is as good as he has been, as quick as it has happened for him, he could be one of those guys that, uh, that you know, sadly only gets to play so many years, but finds himself in the Hall of Fame. Well, I think you have to think about guys like Kurt Warner and Steve Young, uh, just guys who didn't really do much early in their career. Then you look up, you pull back a little bit, look at Kurt Warner's numbers. It was a short period of time. You're looking mm-hmm. at five or six years when. He really built his case. Obviously, he won an MVP and won a Super Bowl MVP, and that was part of his case to kind of stamp it. But when you look at Steve Young, there's a lot of special season. He won an MVP, Super Bowl MVP as well, but it all came a little later. So I think six to seven elite seasons, I think, is kind of the magic number in the NFL. If you can put up that, and uh, if Patrick Mahomes puts up a few seasons that are about 70% of what he did last year, I think he's going to be in good shape. So I think 6-7 to seven is kind of what you're looking at. And that question about was he at one point the best quarterback in the league, he already has that because he was the best quarterback in the league in 2018. No doubt about it. Great piece, Vinny. Sportingnews.com is where you can read it. I highly encourage all you NFL fans uh, to do so. Vinny, thank you. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thank you, Vinny Iyer uh, from the Sporting News. All right, Trent, you've got high school baseball tonight. Yep. Uh, Ankeny Centennial at East. You mm-hmm. and Ross Peterson have the play-by-play and the uh, color for that at 5.30 tonight. Four o'clock fanatics live from Four o'clock East to High fanatics. School. Oh, they're going to be there? Good for them. They are. Outstanding. I, I don't know how nervous Chris is. Hot press box. Oh, is it hot? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a warm one up there. <laughs> Think he'll be completed? Uh, no, not Chris. And Ross will get to show him his old stopping grounds. Indeed. That'll be fun for It the will boys. be. Uh, you've got nothing to bet on tonight. Be well. <sighs> I got the shakes. Yeah, bet can you, you bet on the ESPYs? Probably somewhere. I can find a spot. Uh, Murph and Andy at two. Fanatics live from uh, the East Ballpark tonight at uh, 4 o'clock. Play-by-play at 5.30. And then tomorrow we'll start it all again. The morning rush at 6. Trent and I are on the air at 10. It's Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO.